Bibles, if you would. Uh, chapter, I believe it's 6. Let me look right quick. Yes, chapter 6. Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. You can find First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and then you come to First and Second Chronicles. And I'm going to move some of this, if you don't mind, Pastor. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to say something about that at the end. There you go. Thank you. I know we've been here for a while. We had a meal and all of that, and then the testimonies and everything. And knowing that we were having this kind of an evening, I planned a message that's probably, now I know I, once in a while the Lord gets in something that I wasn't expecting, and, and it goes a little longer than I thought, but I really don't think that's the case tonight. I think it'll be a very brief message tonight. I'm going to teach a, a very brief Bible story, and then, we'll, and then I'm going to tell you one story, and I believe we'll be out of here uh, pr pretty, in a pretty reasonable amount of time tonight. We all know that David was the king of Israel, and during his lifetime while he was serving as king, he had the idea that he wanted to build a house for God. And God told him that uh, near the end of his life that he was not going to build the house, but his son Solomon would build the house. So David gathered all the materials together to, with which to build the house, and he left it there so that Solomon could build the house and we, it's, called, it's referred to as the temple. And so Solomon did build the temple. And when he finished, they had a dedication service. And in chapter 6, we have part of the speech that Solomon made at that dedication service. And we're going to read one little tiny excerpt from that speech. Look in verse, um, let's see, let's begin in verse 8. This is right in the middle of Solomon's speech at the dedication service. He says in verse 8, But the Lord said to David my father, For as much as it was in thine heart to build an house for my name. I want you to notice that phrase. The house for my name. Thou didst well in, it, uh, uh, in, in that it was in thine heart. Notwithstanding... Thou shalt not build the house, but thy son, which shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house, notice the phrase, for my name. The Lord therefore hath performed his word that he hath spoken, for I am risen up in the room of David my father, and am set on the throne of Israel, as the Lord promised, and have built the house, notice the phrase, for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And in it have I put the ark, wherein is the covenant of the Lord, that he made with the children of Israel. I pointed out three times they meant, Solomon mentioned in his speech here that this house was not for the Lord to live in, it was for his name to be there. Another place in the Bible, we won't turn there, but God explains that there is no house big enough for me to live in it. He says, how could you build me a house to live in? I am above the heavens. He said, the earth is my footstool. How are you going to build a house big enough for me to live in? He said, but I do appreciate the fact that you're building a house where my name can be there. All right, now let's uh, look at verse 40. I'm still in chapter 6. Solomon has ended his speech, 
And now he's praying a prayer of dedication at the end of the speech. And he says in verse 40, Now, my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attent. And I want you to notice that word, attent. Let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. So Solomon said in his prayer, God, we built this house for your name. And since this is the house that has been built for the purpose of your name dwelling there, would you do us a favor and would you let your ears be attent to the prayers that comes from this particular place? All right, now look in chapter 7 and verse 1. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest was not able, uh, the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Now, would you look at me for a second? What does it mean, the glory of the Lord filled the house? The word glory... It's not a spooky word. It's not a word that's hard to understand. It's not a word that you have to, uh, you know, get a revelation from God to understand it. The word glory refers to the glow of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. Okay, have you ever been outside on an evening when it was uh, kind of foggy out or maybe drizzling rain and you looked at a street lamp, a street light, and there was a glow around that light? Okay, God is so bright, there is a glow about God. In fact, in one place in the Bible, and again, because of time tonight, we're not going to turn and look at all this, but there's one place in the Bible where God explains to Moses, I can't let you see my face, because if you saw my face, it would kill you. Not that God's ugly, it's that God's bright. And Okay, uh, any welders here in the room tonight? Any of you men ever done any welding? Okay, I know Carl has and some brother Nick has and some others. And uh, uh, am I using the right phrase, a welding flash? Is that what it's called? When, when you look at it and you, you don't have the, the protected goggles on, and, it, and it's so bright it burns your eyes. And they say there are some things that are so bright, if you stared at them long enough, it would actually blind you. Well, God is so bright that if you saw him with your human eyes, it would not just blind you, it would kill you. Now, we can't understand God being that bright, but that's what he is. And when they finished the house and they dedicated it, God did not move into the house. It wasn't big enough. But his glory moved into Okay, let me give you a very poor illustration of what I'm trying to say. This is a very poor illustration, but I think it'll help you understand what I'm trying to say. Suppose there's a railroad track, and suppose that railroad track has a fork in it, and so there has to be a switch there, and you throw the switch for the train to go this way, or you throw the switch for the train to go that way, and in the old days, they didn't have computers and electronics to do that. Somebody had to walk out there and grab this big switch and throw it like this or throw it this way. And so there was a little room, a little house sitting next to the railroad track, just big enough for one man to sit in that little switching house and wait for the train to come by. 
And when the train was coming at night and that bright light was on the front of the train and the train came towards that switching house with the window in it so the man could see the train coming, the glow of the train filled that room where the man was sitting. The, the room wasn't big enough for the train to get inside, but the glow of the train got inside. And when God simply focused his attention, his heart, his eyes, his ears on the temple. All he did was focus his attention on it. It filled with his glory so brightly that the priest couldn't even go in there. All right, hang on just a minute. Now let's go to, uh, uh, let's see, chapter 7, look at verse 12. Chapter 7, verse 12 says, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. All right, would you look at me for a moment? Remember during the dedication service, he made the speech. And then at the end of the speech, he said the prayer. And in that prayer, he said, Lord, would you let your ears be attent to the prayers that are made here in this place? Later, after the service was over, during the night, uh, God appeared to Solomon. And he said, Solomon, I heard your prayer. Now look at verse 15. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Perpetually means forever without any gaps. It means it's going to, my heart and my, my uh, eyes and my ears are going to be focused on the temple forever and without any gaps. But wait a minute. The temple's not there anymore. I've been there. I've been to what they called the temple mound in Jerusalem. I've been there six times. The temple's not there. It was destroyed. So how can God fulfill that verse when he said now that you have a temple I'm going to be perpetually focused on it well you remember what Paul said in the New Testament Paul said uh, in, in the New Testament he said know ye not that ye are the temple of God for the temple of God is holy which temple ye are what Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? For ye are the temple of the living God. You see, today there is no temple in Jerusalem. You, your body, is the temple today. You're looking at the temple right here. I'm looking at the temple. And God's eyes, God's ears... God's heart is perpetually, forever, and without any gaps, focused on the temple. And he said, if any prayer comes from the temple, my ear will be attent to that prayer. Several years ago, a friend of mine and I, my friend, by the, a man by the name of Dan, and I were going to go to Canada to go bear hunting. We flew to Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. 
they picked us up and we drove six hours north of Winnipeg into what they called the northern wilderness. And we were going to go bear hunting. Well, the first day we were going to go bear hunting, they took Dan and put him in a, like a deer stand, but it was a bear stand. And they took me to a different place in the woods and put me in a deer stand or a bear stand. And they had put some bait out to get the bear to come. And when we got there that day, I remember how noisy it was in the woods. All kinds of noise that, you know, whoever wrote the cute little poems about the peace and quiet of the forest, he's never been in a forest. <laughs> I've hunted my whole life. I grew up in Louisiana, and I've hunted my whole life all over the place, and I have never been in the forest when it was peace and quiet. <laughs> There's always noise in the woods. And that particular day, it was exceptionally noisy. The wind was blowing. The leaves were, were rustling. Uh, there, there were uh, thousands and thousands of insects just making all kinds of noise. There was a tree that had fallen over and was leaning against another tree, and every time the wind would blow, it would scratch and, and squeak and squawk real loud, you know. And the birds were chirping. The crows were squawking. The, there were frogs. It was springtime. The frogs had come out. They were chirping. They were making all kind of uh, noise. There, were, uh, there was uh, uh, just dozens and dozens of insects, uh, mosquitoes, uh, black flies, uh, uh, all around. In fact, the mosquitoes and black flies were so bad, we had to put a net over our head, a, 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 a hat with a net on it, and we had to duct tape that net to our shoulders. And we had to wear gloves. It was springtime. It wasn't even cold, but we wore gloves to keep the mosquitoes and black flies from biting our hands. And we had to duct tape our sleeves of our jacket to our gloves. And we had to duct tape our pants to our boots. And when you sat down on the deer stand, I'm not exaggerating, there were 25 or 30 or 40 or 50 mosquitoes just buzzing around your head. Have you ever tried to go to sleep at night? when one mosquito <laughs> was in the room <laughs> and, and you thought a, a 747 was about to land <laughs> somewhere there in the room. Can you imagine 40 of them around your head all at the same time, plus dozens of black flies, <laughs> plus there was a, 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 I think you'd call it an infestation or, or, or a plague of, of caterpillars. You could stand on a hill and look out over the forest and it was like somebody drew a line in the forest and every tree on this side had no leaves on it because the caterpillars, millions of them, had already made their way through the forest and from here over there were leaves on the trees because the caterpillars were right there and making their way. And when we sat down in the deer stand, hey, you remember when it, it's about to rain? I don't know if you, has it ever rained out here? You, you, you know when it's about to rain but it hasn't quite started yet but, but, but the, you can see the rain coming toward you and you can hear a few big drops just psh, 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 psh. that's the way it sounded there were so many caterpillars all around us that it's dropped trees and it sounded like it was about to rain this just, just dropping here and there and I after I'd been sitting there about six or seven minutes, I looked and there were about 25 caterpillars just crawling all over me, just everywhere. That, and all this noise going on, and I was supposed to be able to hear a bear coming so I could shoot him. After a few minutes, I thought I heard one 
somewhere over here behind me. I wasn't sure. After a few more minutes, I thought I heard one out here in front of me, but I wasn't sure. After a few more minutes, I thought I heard one over here. I never did figure out if one bear was moving around or if there was three or four of them out there. But finally, without me hearing anything, this bear just walks out in the open right there in front of me. There's the bait. He walks out. Now, when I had him mounted, I mounted him like this, you know. But what he was really doing was sitting down scratching himself when I shot him. And I shot my bear first day. It was all over. My hunt was done. I'm a foreigner in the foreign country. I'm in Canada. I can't go back in the woods with a gun because now I've filled my tag. But the next day, I didn't want to sit in the cabin, so I decided I'd go out with Dan while he tried to get his bear. So he's got a gun. I don't have a gun because I filled my tag. He's got a, 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 a 12 gauge pump shotgun with the plug out, so he's got seven shells in it. And I said to Dan as we got out of the truck and started through the woods, I said, Dan, how many extra shells do you have? He said, oh, I won't need any extra ones. I've got seven in the gun. That'll be more than enough. I said, you don't have any extras. He said, no, I'm telling you, I don't need any extras. I've, I've got seven in the gun. Okay, so we're sitting in the deer stand, the bear stand. I'm next to Dan and I think I hear one over here. I think I hear one over there. I think I might have heard one back here. And all of a sudden, just like yesterday, one walks out right there. I'm waiting for Dan to shoot it. He never does. It finally walks off. He turns and looks at me, and he says, too small. So I think, okay, all right, you know. And so I think I hear a few more, and finally another one walks out. And I'm waiting for him to shoot it, and waiting and waiting. And, and he's trying to, I guess he's trying to decide if it's big enough. And finally he decides, okay, I'm going to shoot this bear. And just as he pulled the trigger, I guess the bear heard us or smelled us or something, and he jumps. Just as Dan pulled the trigger, I mean, about the exact same second. And so instead of hitting the bear where he had planned to hit it, he hit it somewhere else. So he fires that one shot. And as the bear is disappearing into the bushes, bang, bang, two more shots real quick. And you know, you hunters know, you're not supposed to do this, but Dan did. The bear went into the bushes. You could no longer see him, but you could see the bushes moving. And there was no other hunters around. We were hundreds of miles from anywhere. And so, not supposed to, but he does. Bang, bang, bang. Three more shots real quick into the bushes as the... And I'm counting. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> If you're pretty good with math, that's six shots. One bullet left. But no problem. A few moments later, just moments later, before we really had time to comprehend what all had happened, we hear the bear out there probably all 50 or 60 yards over this way. We hear him crash. We hear him hit the ground. We hear him going into the what they call the death throes. He's 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 growling. He's scratching the ground, tearing the limbs up around him. And after a few moments, it all goes silent. So you know you hunters know you you know he's dead now. And so you but you wait 10, 15 minutes to let him. And and forgive me for saying this after you just ate, but but they call it they let him bleed out. And so so you wait a few minutes, and and then we get down and we start over there to where he is and we looked and we looked and we looked and we looked and we can't find him 
So I said to Dan, Dan, I'll tell you what I'll do. You keep looking. I'll go back to where you shot that first shot. I know you hit him at least once. I said, I'll go back and find the blood trail, and I'll trace the blood trail from there to where he is. So I go back to the opening where he, Dan had shot him, and sure enough, there's blood there, lots of blood. But it's real thick right outside the little clearing there. It's so thick, there's no way you can walk through it. Now, the bear ran through it, but there's no way you can walk through it. So I literally get down on my stomach and crawl army style underneath the bushes. And I'm following this blood trail, and I find the spot. Right there, you can see. <laughs> he, he tore the ground up. He messed the leaves up. He broke limbs. There's blood everywhere. But there ain't no bear. He's not there. I said, hey, Dan, <laughs> why don't you bring that gun over here with that one bullet in it? <laughs> I said, Dan, this is where he was. He's not here. I said, but there's another blood trail, so let's follow the blood trail. We'll find him. So we start following the blood trail. After several minutes, all this noise, just like the day before, wind, leaves, insects, frogs, trees rubbing together, crows, birds, Dan and I both at the exact same moment heard one tiny little faint snap just one just tiny little snap and that snap was behind us the moment we heard that snap we both realized we were no longer the hunter We had become the hunted. But with all that noise, before my body ever stopped turning, already my eyes were locked on that bear. He was about 20 yards from us. He was down on all fours. He was slobbering, you know, he was wounded. And before my body, with all that noise, tiny little snap my eyes were fixed on him you know what the difference was when it was Dan's bear when it was I don't even have a gun I don't really care if we kill one today or not it's his bear not mine there might be one over there there might be one over there there might be one over there can't tell for sure uh, when he goes through all that noise of what we thought dying we, we thought we knew exactly where it was, but now we can't even find it. But that one tiny little snap, you know what the difference was? Now my heart was in it. <laughs> now my eyes, my ears were a tent. The word a tent only shows up in the Bible two times. When Solomon said, would you be a tent to the prayers that come from the temple? And God said, yes, I will be a tent to the prayers that come from the temple. You know, sometimes you and I think we have to jump up and down. We have to get God's attention. We have to make more noise than anybody else. We have to pray better than the other guy prayed. 
We have to pray a prettier prayer, a more scriptural prayer. We have to be uh, 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 a better Christian than somebody else in order to get attention but some can you imagine all the noise that comes from this earth <laughs> all the people all the machinery all the warfare all the chaos all of that noise that comes up towards God and somehow when the tiniest little prayer is whispered from the depth of your heart you might not even word it out loud with your mouth but God his ear is attent to the faintest little noise of a prayer that you somehow manage to mutter or mumble from your heart. Aren't you glad we have a God whose heart is perpetually attent to the prayer that comes from the temple? like to have every head bowed every eye closed who would say tonight brother young <laughs> I never quite understood exactly how desirous God is to hear my prayers I never realized that out of all the people that are on the earth and all the noise there is that the slightest little prayer you know, I, I don't know, Brother Young. I don't know if I was praying good enough. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a good prayer. It just has to be the slightest little attempt to pray and God's listening.